Welcome to The Healthy Me. I'm Trina Felber, registered nurse and CEO of Primal Life Organics. I believe there's a healthy person living in everyone. The Healthy Me is designed to help you call up your healthy self, step out of your comfort zone, shake things up, and get results. So let's find and empower your healthy me. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me on The Healthy Me. I am really excited about my guest today because um, I really did not expect to actually meet Hannah in person, but I was in an event about a month ago and um, ran into her and she told me that she was uh, the kombucha camp owner, creator, whatever you want to call it. And I immediately went, oh my gosh, like six years ago when I was starting my kombucha mission, I, w- I found her website, I found her, I read everything I could, and I started, I, I ordered my SCOBY from her, and I still have that SCOBY, by the way, that SCOBY's really cute, <laughs> it's like my fourth child, um, and anyway, so I started brewing my own kombucha, so it was really cool, like, a couple months, or a couple weeks ago, to finally run into her, meet her, and actually recognize her, so anyway, today's topic is kombucha for gut health and clear skin. So there is a connection. I've been saying this for a long time, so we're going to get Hannah's input on this. But let me tell you guys before Hannah um, pops on here, let me tell you guys a little bit about Hannah. So Hannah Crum, a.k.a. the Kombucha Mama, pioneered Kombucha Camp Educational Workshop in 2004 out of her small Los Angeles kitchen. Along with her husband, Alex, they created kombuchacamp.com, and that's camp with a K in case you guys are looking for it, kombuchacamp.com, the top informational site with a mission to change the world one gut at a time by providing quality information, quality cultures, and quality customer support. A popular speaker about kombucha fermentation and, I like this word, bacterio sapiens, Hannah frequently tours and can be found at corporate and health conferences, fermentation festivals, and events throughout the U.S. and abroad. As an extension of their mission, they also co-founded Kombucha Brewers International in 2014 to unite and advocate for the commercial kombucha bottling industry worldwide. Uh, Through Kombucha Camp's videos, blog posts, online support communities, and award-winning Amazon bestseller, The Big Book of Kombucha, they serve as mentors and the leading experts, and I can attest to that, in kombucha to millions of kombucha lovers all corners of the earth. Hi, (laughs) Hannah. Thank you. Welcome. Hey, Trina. Thanks for having me. Wow. That's a lot of kombucha. You know, it's funny how something that started as a hobby turns into your whole life. I'm sure you've never experienced that. Never. I don't know (laughs) what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So really, how did this start for you? I I know it started probably in your kitchen, but is there a really good story that goes along with it? Kombucha kismet. Kombucha chose me. I have no idea what happened. I was literally sad, standard American diet in the early 2000s, you know, sort of post-college figuring out adulthood and just had a chance visit with a friend from college who'd moved to San Francisco. I'm telling you, it's a magical land up there. (laughs) (laughs) He introduced me to a lot of different things like filtering my shower water, pink Himalayan salt, um, and kombucha. We didn't even try it, but I saw the floating in the jars and I thought, hmm, that's kind of weird. When I got back to LA, of course, lo and behold, there's a zillion bottles of kombucha on the shelves. I tried one and just fell in love. 
What was your first sip like, Trina? Were you like, oh? Well, actually, no, I I liked it. I really liked it. And then that's why I wanted to brew my own, only because most of them, and I'm sure you're well aware of this, are uh, high, have a high sugar content. These days, they have a little bit of a higher sugar content because they're trying to bridge that gap between a traditional fermented, right. and that's why I made that little sour yeah, face. Right. That's now become my uh, sweet face. But um, <laughs> most people aren't used to that, including more sour in their diet. And what so I do love when I introduce someone to it for the first time, and that is the face that they make. They're like, ooh. What? And I'm like, oh, you get used to it. You love it. It's like really You've been good. initiated. Yeah. That's how you know that's how you know they feel it. They can feel all the acids and the organisms because they just give you that jolt. Now you did this way back in two thousand and um four, right? Is it or it's it I probably started even earlier than that, a little bit earlier than that. I started brewing it at home in 2003. That's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then I took this artist way workshop. I don't know if anyone still remembers the artist way, but it's a great, if you're like struggling, who am I do an artist way workshop, read the book, whatever. But what I uncovered in all of that is I really wanted to teach people how to make kombucha. And that's what started kombucha camp. Cause I'm cute and clever. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> of the workshop in our home, right? Like I just, I was like, I have to teach people this. My husband thought I was crazy. He wouldn't drink the kombucha. He thought I was nuts. And then finally I made a flavor he liked pink lemonade and oh, that changed. He it. had his own transformation. He did. Yeah. He went from a daily antacid pill to not needing any at all. And it also led to several other dietary changes and really becoming aware of how vital it is that we know what we're putting into our and onto our bodies. Exactly. I totally agree with you. What's really interesting is back in 2004, I I mean, I had never heard of kombucha. Like for me, kombucha came around uh, probably five years ago. And I think that's when it really, but it really was available in the stores back then. Like, because I don't even remember it. 95 is when GT put his first uh, kombucha in a bottle. And that's sort of what launched the commercial industry. Um, But you're right. It didn't really pick up steam until I'd say maybe 2010. It started to become a little bit more on people's radars because that's the year that it was taken off the shelves. And so everyone, you know, was sort of up in arms about that. But you're in terms of mainstream, like it's really only in the last few years that we've seen like grocery stores make their own kombucha brands. And as soon as you have the grocery stores making their own kombucha, you know, it's something that's uh, that's here to stay. Right. Yeah. And it is. It's good. It's good for you. So let's talk about it. So let me let me ask you these uh, a couple questions about kombucha. How does kombucha benefit your gut? Because uh, everything's about gut health these days. We all know that there's a gut brain connection. So talk about kombucha and how that relates to the gut. Uh, simply it helps digestion. So your gut's your engine. Your gut is your immune system. And if that's out of order, you this is too. And so the way to help bring everything back into alignment, and I'll say this up front, kombucha is a food. That's it. It's just like any other food. Is eating, you know, three tons of broccoli a day going to actually transform your life? It will. I don't know if you'll like that transformation. But it's the same with kombucha, right? Like this isn't a cure. This isn't a miracle. This is a fermented food. And all fermented foods are going to have great living organisms that help um, populate that gut and and allow your body to really um, basically think about your gut as the soil. And the soil has to have a healthy, robust biome of organisms, of nutrients, so that you can flourish, so that you can sprout like a tree. I love that. I love that. And I'm a total, I, I totally believe in the biome. I do the biome, I talk about the biome starting in the mouth and how we destroy that with the harsh ingredients in regular toothpaste and mouthwash and things like that. And I love what the biome does in your mouth, but it's completely different than the biome that's in your stomach. And it's meant to be that way. And what people miss is when you're using harsh ingredients, you miss the oral biome being swallowed 
into your gut, seeding and feeding. And then that's also where everything comes in with the kombucha as well, because it does have that, that probiotic. That's what, for people that don't know, tell them about the SCOBY. Like what, what is the big, give us kombucha 101. Kombucha 101. Um, It's, Real simple fermented tea, right? Sauerkraut is fermented cabbage. Wine is fermented grape juice. Um, in this case, though, we add a culture. So our culture is called a SCOBY. That's an acronym for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. Pretty straightforward, but it looks like a white pancake. Um, it's very dense. It's bacterial cellulose. It's amazing. The bacteria, like spiders, spin this this uh, material um, out of their bodies, and it turns into this really dense thing that then has these floaties hanging off of it. That's the yeast. And we put that into the sweet tea. We let it sit for however long our taste buds can tolerate. And at that point we harvest it and you can flavor it with herbs, with fruit, with um, really anything. It can go sweet, savory, sour, whatever you like. And because it's a vinegar uh, ferment, it's going to be very effective at extracting nutrients from whatever you're infusing into it. So it really sort of uh, gives you that next level version of those nutrients in a living form. So how does kombucha, when you're drinking it, um, lead to better skin? Well, as I'm sure you know, um, you know, your skin is an organ that's trying to tell you what's going on inside your body, right? Like this is the surface. We can't see into our liver. We can't see into our gut and what's going on. And so we have to trust the information that's coming through our body. And your skin is where that stuff gets expressed. And so when you're having issues with skin breakouts and things like this, instead of going to a topical solution, you really want to be looking what's the root cause. And more often than not, unfortunately, we have a really toxic food supply in this country, especially if you're not paying attention to your inputs. And that can lead to your body saying, hey, wake up. There's something not right in the system. Will you help take care of me? Um, But too often, as you know, Trina, um, our society is focused on how do I you know, deal with the symptom as opposed to the root cause. Yeah, I've often said that your skin is the organ that you can see. It's the one that's speaking to you. And when it's speaking to you, it's because you haven't been listening to the inside. Because really, it's the it's almost like screaming at you, help, there's a problem. And what people, most people don't understand, now there's a lot of causes of skin conditions and acne and things like that. But what you know, and what um, people may not quite understand is that a lot of times, it's not necessarily a food that sparks it. It's what's lacking inside your digestion that that food can't be metabolized or broken down correctly or whatever. So you're symptomatically allergic or having a reaction to something that normally if you have the right gut flora, which is what kombucha would do, you'd be able to um, not have that problem. Right. And it's also overconsumption, right? Mm-hmm. Like unfortunately, because of our subsidy system, corn, wheat, soy, that gets, you know, transmogrified into a zillion different products because it's cheap. And so if you're constantly eating three things as your chief inputs, that's that's not what human beings were designed to do. This is why foods are in season. This is why, you know, you have seafood and nuts and all kinds of ways to get the same nutrients is because we live in diverse areas. We need different inputs. And, you know, look, other than eating the same thing for breakfast every day, humans are notoriously like, I need variety. I need something different, right? Like we crave diversity and that's our nature. Yeah. And that's why I also like doing a fast. Like we've done, I've done water fasts and things like that because it sort of resets your body. It completely resets it. It kind of sparks it like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, and, and it, 
creates this new energy. And just like you said, seasonal, eat seasonal. Make sure you're shifting your your vegetables and your fruits and what you're eating. And don't eat as much processed. Eat more original is what I like to call it, food. Um, you know, <laughs> Yeah, original food. That's right. <laughs> That's simple. Like, you know, if it it didn't really come in that box. I mean, you know, but we don't really think about that. Sometimes, con- you know, convenience takes place too. But um, for the most part, most of your meals should be the original form of that food. Um, are commercial brands as good as homemade kombucha? Can they be? They can be. I mean, the here's what's interesting. I think there's a misconception that like the kombucha in the marketplace is pasteurized for food safety issues. And that is not true. This is the amazing, awesome thing about fermented foods is when we didn't have refrigerators, how are we going to keep food around that we could eat even in the dead of winter? Well, thanks to microbes, they were able to create acids in an environment inhospitable to mold. And so kombucha is naturally self-preservative because of its um, its fermentation uh, activity. And so most brands are actually live kombuchas. Now, because we have this whole confusion over alcohol, it's role in fermentation. We have um, laws that were produced at prohibition when they were trying to prevent anyone from selling any alcohol. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of producers have to tweak their process in order to try to control something that really is not intoxicating and doesn't contribute a negative effect. Um, I mean, that said, and that's kind of a tricky, complicated issue we could dive into later if you want, but basically, what I'm trying to say is some of the commercial brands then have to filter out certain elements. And so you don't necessarily get the full complement of everything. And because they're trying to match a consumer profile, it may not be as, um, as full strength as, as you might like it and what, as you can make it at home. Yeah. And more sugary is what I always find too. Like, so let's talk about how simple it really is to make your own because it really isn't that hard. And especially if you like creating things like this, it's a really fun thing, especially with kids. My kids always like to do it too. So talk about how um, the brew, what the brewing process is like or how, you know, how it works. I mean, the hardest part is the patience, really. We're making tea here, folks, um, who you can't boil water on the stove, put it in an electric tea kettle, right? So basically, we're boiling water, we're steeping tea, all the recipe information is on our website, kombuchacamp.com backslash kombucha recipe. So if you need those exact measurements, you can find them. Um, But basically, it's tea. Um, After the tea has steeped, we remove the tea leaves. We like to use loose leaf tea just because it's uh, less expensive and better for the environment. We then add our one cup of sugar. Yes, that's a lot of sugar. But when you taste the kombucha, you'll remember that that sugar isn't for you. Uh, We stir that in, that dissolves, and then we just dilute it with cold water because- Well, talk about the sugar. What happens with the sugar? Because I know it happens, but people might be like, wait, what what is she talking about? One cup of sugar, it's not for you. So what happens with that sugar? Well, sugar is a fuel source, right? Anything can uh, metabolize sugar, including bacteria and yeast. And so in the fermentation process, um, the yeast start consuming the sugar. So sugar is table sugar, right? Crystals, sugar crystals, that's a disaccharide. That means it's made up of uh, monosaccharide components, fructose and glucose, and they're held together with a bond. So the yeast start cleaving that bond, breaking it apart. This is why kombucha has a lower glycemic index than if you were to drink the sweet tea, because it's breaking it down into those simpler components. And those components help to create our healthy acids. So glucose, gluconic, glucuronic acid, those acids specifically support a healthy liver. The fructose is also then utilized by the organisms to create the SCOBY byproducts, other organic acids. And so over time, as you continue to ferment, that sugar drops 
as does your pH, and then your organic acid level goes up. So that's that sort of a nutrient exchange that's taking place where the yeast and the bacteria are taking the sugar and turning it into, and of course the polyphenols and everything from the tea, that's really vital too, um, and turning that into the healthy beverage that is kombucha. Awesome. Thank you. Because I know a lot of people would be like, oh, I don't want to drink that much sugar. Well, it's really not. That's that's what I wanted you to get to. Like the point is that really it's being eaten up by the bacteria and um, everything that's in there is feeding off of it. So when by the time you get to drink it, there's minimal sugar in it, which is why I love it. And what I found is the longer I drink kombucha, the less sweet I like it. Exactly. I like it tangier. And what happens is is um, as you start to dig in deeper into food, you realize sour and bitter are the flavors of health and digestion. And it's the overuse of sugar that's created problems. And it's also consider what type of sugar, right? Like there's a lot of drinks out there with zero calories and no sugar, but they're way worse for you than something that actually has just a little bit of sugar in it um, that that will actually be more nutritious. What about um, substituting? Is there any, can you substitute like honey or maple syrup or anything like that for sugar? I know people have asked that before. So everything we talked about is sort of the traditional way that kombucha is made and what your original mother is going to need in order to thrive and reproduce. Once she reproduces, though, kombucha is amazingly flexible, just like bacteria are so cool and flexible. So it will ferment a wide variety of substrates, including these different sugars you've talked about. Now, it can't do stevia because it's not a fermentable sugar. Um, and then we can also do coffee, yerba mate, rooibos, herbs, you know, chamomile, ginger. And our book, The Big Book of Kombucha, has tons of these recipes, coffee, kombucha, kombucha, kombucha using pineapple, hibiscus, with no tea at all. So, um, And I just want to mention the tea because a lot of people are like, oh, there's so much caffeine in kombucha. There really isn't. There's less caffeine in kombucha than the tea that was used to brew it with because – Again, we're bacterial sapiens, we're related to yeast, and yeast are stimulated by caffeine just like we are. And so the caffeine in the tea is actually there to help push that fermentation process forward. That's interesting. I didn't even know that. I didn't realize that yeast is eating all my caffeine. (laughs) It is. But then where you're getting this increase in energy are B vitamins in a living form. And again, trace amounts. But when we think about what is it we're nourishing, I know it feels like it's this big giant body, but the reality is we're nourishing microorganisms. We're nourishing bacteria. So trace high quality nutrients is what they need. So you've got the B vitamins that give you energy and then you have improved digestion. Awesome. Right. Think about your Thanksgiving dinner. You're exhausted. If you have some ferments with that dinner, they'll help you to digest more quickly and naturally you'll have more energy. Yeah. How fun is that? Everybody for Thanksgiving, we're drinking kombucha with our turkey. <laughs> kombucha and, cocktails. And then nobody's, <laughs> n- nobody's tired afterward and they're going to be like, ah, where's my nap? I'm not even tired. <laughs> That's awesome. So how safe is it, you know, to brew it at home? I know you talked about how it, um, you know, the bacteria is its own, like, preservative type of thing. Like, so is it safe to brew it at home? Super safe. I mean, then this is the thing with all fermented foods and drinks is they are going to be I mean, think about how they evolved over time, right? Like humans have lived in conditions way less sanitary than what we consider sanitary today. And they had these ferments with them. They would bury things in the ground. They would put them in earthen pots. Like humans and or micro, <laughs> microorganisms have been, you know, working together this entire time. What else can you do with kombucha? I know that there's a lot of uses. So give us some ideas of when you brew your kombucha, what if it gets too strong? 
or you know perfect like, great now you've got kombucha vinegar which yeah. is great for your hair rinse mm-hmm. now some people are doing no poo with acv mm-hmm. acv as a vinegar apple cider vinegar is diluted to four to eight percent acidity kombucha is less than one percent so if you're putting that on your hair with the baking soda and you're feeling like oh this feels like straw, straw yeah it's too intense using kombucha vinegar because it's a much milder acid it still releases the gunk but then your hair feels nice and soft so definitely use that that, um, we've got that recipe in the book as well as on the website. You can also make a kombucha facial toner infused with your favorite rose water or whatever um, herbs you want to put in there um, or essences. You can also do a foot soak with it. So because it does such an effective job of extracting toxins, it will pull them out of your skin as well. That's and a that's good where idea. Yeah. My extra scobies end up on my face. Really? The whole scoby? <laughs> I know. It hasn't sucked out my brains, I promise. Do you go to bed with, like, the scoby on your face? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. My scoby yeah. is, like, this big. And when they multiply, they're just, like, they're, they're like these little, I don't even know what they are. They're, like, little animals. It, I feel like they're, like, little pets. They're a cross between a pet and a plant. That's they, what I tell people. It's not going to come and crawl up on your lap and snuggle, but, <laughs> you know, you do have to monitor it and make sure that it's responding to what you're giving it. Tell people a little bit, like, the maintenance of it when you, you know, because I know sometimes I would get confused, especially when I was first starting, like, oh, my scoby's getting big. Like, it's big. It's covering the whole jar. Should it stay, like, how do you maintain the right size scoby? What do you do when it gets big? Do you separate it? What do you do with the separated guy? That kind of thing. So there's a couple different ways that we brew kombucha. One is batch brew. In batch brew, you're making a batch. At the end of it, you have two scobies, the original that started. Now that mother can be anywhere in the jar, right? Like I get all these people writing, ah, my scoby sank. Is it dead? No, it's just hanging out. What happens is when the yeast starts to create that, um, when it breaks the sugar apart, it creates CO2 along with the ethanol. And that's what gently propels the mother back up to the surface. Now the new layer, its whole role, like the whole purpose of the scoby is to act as a lid, right? This sweet tea is delicious to everything, including mold. So how do we prevent that? Well, we use the sour starter liquid on top and then the new scoby starts to form. And so it literally prevents a creates a physical barrier that prevents other things from getting into it. Um, So in batch brew, you're going to get pancake after pancake. We put those into what we call a SCOBY hotel. (laughs) It's just a jar with kombucha SCOBYs living it up in the hotel SCOBY for you. All right. It's a, it's a very creative beverage. I tell you, Um, (laughs) inspirational. So SCOBY hotel is literally just kombucha cultures hanging out in a jar waiting for you to use them. And you and use those, for, you can use those for a new batch, right? New batch, give to friends, yeah, feed to your chickens, away. feed to Christmas your dogs, presents. plant the soil, make earrings out of, like you can do, it's literally snout to tail is what I call it, snout to tail. You can use every aspect of kombucha, even the sour old stuff, even the old scoby. So um, there's never not a use for it. Uh, but it, then we have continuous brew, which is where over time the scoby will get super thick because we're making a larger batch. We're not draining the entire vessel. We're only taking out a portion and then we're topping that off with sweet tea. And so over time, your SCOBY gets thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker. And after a certain point, it is too thick. What happens when it gets too thick is it prevents oxygen from penetrating the brew. Your brews might turn sour very quickly. You know, lots of things can happen. So you take scissors. I 
I know it sounds weird, like, oh, I'm going to cut up my friend, um, but it actually will work. We trim it back. You can either use scissors, you can like a cake and cut it across this way, but basically you want to trim back the amount of culture you have so that oxygen can continue to get into the brew and execute its process. Awesome. I love, I love everything that you have. All the recipes that you have has made it super easy to implement this into my lifestyle so that I can have fresh whenever I want. And, um, when I, when mine gets too vinegary or when I have, I put it on salads too. I love it. Like as a, with a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of my kombucha, that's a little too vinegary for me. Mm -hmm. I just throw it in the fridge and use it as my salad dressing. So perfect. It works really good that way too. So that's another. It also makes great drain cleaner. Oh. Acetic acid helps to descale. Yeah. And so if you have really sour kombucha, don't feel bad pouring it down the drain because you're probably helping your drain, drain stay yeah. nice and clean. Getting Just like your stuff. drain, right? It cleans your drain out. That's right. Bacteria sapiens. Trina, we're we're tubes. We're all tubes. Like we're all rod shaped, like right from here to here. I know. And I say that too. I'm a house that holds all this bacteria and I just transport it from one place to the next. That's all I do is transport bacteria. But you got to have the right bacteria because if you don't have the right bacteria, then you're going to be walking around sneezing and sniffling and getting sick. It's so true. And here's the other thing that I, I think is really valuable. And that is, um, interacting with as much bacteria as you can. And what I mean by that is hugs, handshakes, drinking from the same cup, sharing with other people, because when you take on some of their bacteria, you empower sharing, literally your, sharing it, your dirty mouth tooth powder, right? Yes, dipping. of course. Dip your straw in. I mean, your straw. I'm Share the bread. bacteria. I know people, we're so germaphobic. We have been like, we have been told by every brand out there that you need to like not share anything like you know kill 99% of your bacteria but what we're doing is we're sterilizing our bodies and what happens is you end up with disease you end up with inflammation disease you an immune system that's so weak you can't fight anything you feel horrible your brain can't function and really what you want to do is get rid of the bad bacteria and the only way to do that is walk around with the good bacteria Outcompete. And this is also right, like kids putting dirt in their mouth, like soil based organisms is something um, that humans need. And so it makes sense when you see a kid is constantly putting stuff into it because this is where, as you know, our mm -hmm. immune system starts. It mm -hmm. all starts at your mouth. We're just, <laughs> we're just trying to explore the world through our immune system, trying to understand what's out there and what's going to work for us. Right. And it, it's not until you're exposed to something that you know whether it works or it doesn't. And your body is meant to normalize and take care of the bad things, get rid of them some way, kill it or turn it into something else so you can eliminate it or bring it in and go, you, we can work with this. This is good. This is good stuff. Come on in. We can be friends and have a party in your, in this house. And this is exactly where trust your gut comes from for us. It's not about trusting your taste buds because manufacturers know how to manipulate you through additives, yeah. through marketing, right? And so you might have, um, let's say you've got candida overgrowth and your body's demanding sugar because that's what those organisms need. And you think, oh, sugar, sweet, oh, it tastes so good, oh, I'll eat this. And you think like, oh, that tasted really good. And then you have 
have brain fog and yeast infections and rashes on your body, okay, that's a sign your body is saying, "Mm -mm, that's not for you right now. So trust your gut is about putting inputs into your body, observing how they impact you, and then making choices from there and really trusting that innate wisdom. Your cells have DNA that's billions of years old. There's so much information that we just completely ignore because of the propaganda and, uh, you know, commercialization of everything and trying to sell you stuff. That's so true. Well, Hannah, I appreciate you coming on and giving everybody the story of kombucha from the queen of kombucha, um, right from, you know, your experience is amazing. And I'm so glad that you um, have kombucha camp. I found it, like I said, gosh, it's been at least six or seven years ago that I've been brewing it. And um, when I got to meet you, I was just like, like, I was like, oh my God, this is her. Like, the the person I bought my first Scoby from that now I have the babies. Like, it's so funny. So I'm so glad. So people, I just want to tell everybody they can find you at kombucha camp, K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A-K-A-M-P.com, kombuchacamp.com. Check her out. You've got plenty of recipes, plenty of information. They can buy a Scoby from you. Like the, you have like a starting, I remember I bought the starting kit. We're bacteria farmers. Buy your bacteria. bacteria. Buy your bacteria from (laughs) Hannah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. All right. Anything else? Can following you on Facebook? I'm assuming you have Facebook and Facebook, Instagram. I mean, everywhere we're at Kombucha Camp, so you can find us. We also do milk kefir, water kefir, and Jun, which is oh, kombucha's yeah. raw honey cousin. So um, if kombucha's not your jam, don't worry, we got something else for you. Sweet. I'll have uh, to check that out. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Yeah. And then your book is the Big Book of Kombucha, which everybody you know that loves books will totally dig into because that's a great book. There it is. There it is. It looks so Big. good. It's just yeah. tasty. Oh. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. All right. Thank you, Trina. So grateful you brought me on here and um, really excited to share the word. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Hannah. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining me on The Healthy Me, and we will see you next time. Don't forget, check out Hannah and Kombucha Camp. Uh, She is the Kombucha Mama, and um, she's got some great stuff for you. So get your SCOBY and get your SCOBY on. Woo! Trina here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the Healthy Me podcast and be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. You can like the Healthy Me Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at thehealthyme underscore com. Remember, the info on the Healthy Me podcast is not to be taken as medical advice. You should always talk with your doctors before trying anything we discuss. Until next time, live in your healthy me.